0: on Broadway for Monday, March 11th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanenny. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, busy, busy weekend following our third anniversary here in the podcast feed. On Saturday, I had not one, but two episodes of Tell Me More drop. I had first up from the WP Theater's new play, Hate Fork, which we'll mention here in a minute. Uh, Covey Ladner talked about how important it is to have a play about brown people written by a brown person um so that was a, a great interview great conversation with her and then later that day i had um another episode with lauren zacharin from the off-broadway musical we are the tigers and uh, she talked about how it's a show that has so many different things going for it which we've talked about makes it really interesting uh, but then she also talked about the humbling life of an actor and how um you just gotta kind of take your bumps and how she deals with it, so that was uh, a super fun conversation i'm a I'm a big fan of her dating back to the legally blonde search for the next l woods days uh so I really really enjoyed talking to her and then on Sunday, you guys not only had a jam packed episode with you, Michael and Jan Simpson but Peter wasn't there, but he did an interview with the fantastic book writer uh, behind *Wicked*, Winnie Holzman, and that was featured in the episode as well. But you, Michael, and Jan also reviewed things like *Superhero*, Seawall Wall and a Life*, Mary's Sea Cole, uh, the last five years benefit concert with him and Shoshana Bean, the cake, and more. Um, so, James, what stood out from you for uh, or to you for this week on Broadway? I think the extended discussion about
1: superhero and how it's got so much potential and uh, kind of went off the rails, uh, went off the rails there. But uh, I think all three of us were recognizing how great the cast is and, and that we hope that this uh, superhero, um, somebody takes it back into a workshop mode and sees if we can move it forward in, in a more positive direction interesting we'll see if that happens yeah i i, I enjoyed it and it def, definitely is is something there that could be a really great show uh very interesting uh point out uh, jan pointed out uh, becca brunstadter's the cake uh which Planet at manhattan theater club mm-hmm. uh did you know the story behind the cake it's it's about like the, the plot of the show. Well, uh, uh, aside from the plot, you know the story. Why Becca Brunstetter wrote the cake? Oh, I did not. So the te- t- uh, the the cake is about uh, a, a sort of ripped from the headlines type of thing, where um, a marriage equality, uh, a baker does not want to make uh, a cake for a same-sex couple uh, getting married, uh, and Becca Brunstetter wrote the cake because her dad was a state senator who opposed gay marriage. She wrote the play as, uh, you know, kind of a a slice of life for her dad. So uh, very interesting. interesting. And I pointed out, I was like, what would uh, Thanksgiving look like at that household? Yeah, And will there be cake? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, if not cake, at least some pie. Mm. So, yeah that's the sequel to pie. <laughs> so, uh yeah. Uh so we had a great episode, so take a listen to that that's in your feed and you had two great in inter- interviews there. And I am not sure I even knew that you were interviewing those folks so that the, you know, Lauren uh, Zachron is just uh, uh very interesting what you got into uh with her life as an actress as well and and how um you know uh, she points out you know you go in for an audition and you can't help but think that you know totally. what's life going to be like once i get this and then when you don't get it what's life like then that's a really it 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 happens to everybody and not not just actors but in all all walks of
0: life every time i buy a lottery ticket <laughs> what's interesting is she she said it's like a little death so of course
1: I'm yeah. hearing Sondheim, Sondheim in my head, every day. You know? Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. Every day, a little bit. Yeah. yeah so, anyway, exactly. And Cavi, uh, the Cavi interview was really good as well. I really. Enjoyed yeah, she's that. fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing both of those shows when I'm in town later this month.
1: All right. So uh, first up in the news, Be More
0: Chill officially opens on Broadway. Yes, it did. And that means that we have reviews. Of course, this show has had quite the circuitous route to Broadway, James, featuring a book by uh, Joe Trace and music by Joe Iconis. Um, It is based on a novel by the late Ned Vizzini, and it started in... Uh, New Jersey, then was off-Broadway to a sold-out run, and now it is on Broadway. It is uh, directed by Stephen Brackett and choreographed by Chase Brack, and stars as it did off-Broadway Will Rowland, George Salazar, Stephanie Zhu, Jason Tam, and more. Uh, and James, I've got to ad- admit, these reviews are a bit all over the place, but they're probably more positive than I anticipated them being. So let's start off with one that is decidedly not positive. Uh, And that is the one that probably matters the most, or at least it did in days gone by. That has been Brantley from the New York Times. And talking about the recent wave of musicals about, quote, hormonally overcharged outsiders longing for acceptance, Brantley said, quote, if that trend sustains that momentum, it, or if the show sustains that momentum, it will be partly because this latest entry in the puberty musical sweepstakes has traits that undeniably set it apart from its competition. For one thing, it is, by cold critical standards, the worst of the lot, with a repetitive score, painfully forced rhymes, cartoonish acting, and a general approach that makes decibel level, literally and metaphorically, for emotional intensity but this ostensible amateurness may be exactly what sells be more chill to its target target audience alone among broadway musicals be more chill feels as if it could have been created by the teenagers it portrays or perhaps by even younger people imagining what high school will be like. Though its production values have been souped up since I saw it in August, the show's current incarnation, which features the same cast and is again directed by Stephen Brackett, remains a festival of klutziness that you could imagine being put together in the bedrooms and basements of young YouTubers. Uh, Just in case you were wondering, that is not a New York Times critic's pick. (laughs) Um, However, moving to uh, our friend Matt Widman from AM New York, he gave the show three and a half out of four stars. He really liked it. He said, quote, whether or not it ultimately proves to be a hit, Be More Chill, a sublimely silly, exciting sci-fi teen musical comedy, deserves a place in Broadway history as an unlikely comeback story powered by a passionate, passionate fan following on social media. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show three out of five stars and generally liked it, but he did think that some of that passionate fan following might have been quelled a bit with the move to Broadway. He said, quote, But Be More Chill has now moved to Broadway's much larger Lyceum Theater, where the air is less thick with youthful enthusiasm. Appealing though it often was in a smaller venue, the show has a different energy in this new space. The heat is off. Now, Charles McNulty of the L.A. Times uh, seemed to uh, kind of fit with uh, Mr. Brantley a bit. He said, quote, the production differentiates itself from the Broadway pack by being even more riotous and extreme. The imagination is gaudy, the volume deafening and the plot kinetically convoluted, exhaustingly exaggerated. The show should consider an advisory that some material might not be suitable for adults. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I want to run through a couple more because these are uh, interesting little tidbits. James. But we got a couple differing opinions. First from Greg Evans of Deadline. He said, quote, and here is where Be More Chill stakes its most riotous claim for all of its storyline predictability and maybe too happy resolution. Joe, Tr- uh, Joe Trace's book and especially Iconis's lyrics don't flinch from the darkness and panic of the teenage mind. Uh, Erin Strecker from Mashable felt quite differently because she said, quote, but Be More Chill doesn't grapple with the issues right in front of its face. It wants to say something profound about the pressures of being a young person in 2019, but instead settles for a stereotype-filled retrograde story straight out of the 80s. Jessica... Dershowitz, and this will be the last one, for EW, uh, kind of echoes that. She said, quote, I just wish there was more beneath all that neon, high-intensity surface. But then again, if you're already one of the many, many fans of Be More Chill, my op- my opinion probably isn't going to matter anyway. So I, I was expecting these, in general, to be much more harsh than they were, James. But this was a mixed-to-positive bunch, if you take out Ben Brantley's weighted score here. Um, So I think there's plenty of pool quotes. Um, It's not going to have a bump from the New York Times if that still exists anymore. But for the most part, it wasn't a death knell in the reviews. So I agree with you. I don't
1: think that they were – I don't think that good reviews are part of their strategy. So Probably fair. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd assume that they, uh, it would be nice to get good reviews, but that they had uh, planned on other types of things. Now, the challenges here for Beamer Chill is that they're, uh, I'm trying to understand here, their top ticket price is $165, i am looking at here. Uh, and it gets down to rear Mez is seventy nine. Um, so are, are the younger audiences are are they going to be able to afford this? And certainly you can find discounted tickets and things like that, but not if uh, you know the the production can't yeah. survive on discounted tickets. They've they've got to get an average ticket sale price uh, a little bit higher than that. So. I guess after the next couple of weeks, uh, it'll settle into the spring and post uh, reviews and comp tickets and things like that, and we'll get a true view on what their financial situation looks like. If they're able to uh, get out beyond this and get to that 150 to 200 million downloads uh, of people that had uh, gotten the the original cast recording – uh, if that equates into Broadway ticket sales at the 165 level. All right. So uh, next up, let's talk about this week's theatrical schedule. All
0: right, James, we're going to start the schedule this week with a bit of breaking News. I yeah. mean, a couple of days late, mm-hmm. breaking for us, um, or breaking in terms of ribs, uh, because we already heard about that. But just hours before the already scheduled first preview, or already rescheduled first preview of Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, on Friday, Scott Rudin announced that the weekend's shows from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday would all be canceled, and the first performance would uh, would now be scheduled for Monday tonight. Obviously, following the departure of Andrea Martin because of her broken ribs, Christine Nielsen and Julie White needed some more time to get up to speed in their new roles. Um, so maybe that, James, maybe that kind of counters what my assumption was, is that this was um, a last-minute announcement, not a last-minute decision. But So maybe it was more last-minute than we anticipated. But it'll be interesting to see if they add a week on the back end to make up for the missed time, uh, although I'm sure that they already had extension plans in the works if uh, – if they needed to accommodate interest. So we'll see what happens there. And hopefully things go well and they don't have to reschedule the performance scheduled for tonight.
1: Um, Let me ask you a question. Um, They, uh, as we talked about, you know, in the last couple of weeks, no huge promotion, no big media buys, no anything. Um, Would you think that some of these announcements are, you know, (laughs) sort of... Alternative uh, media promotional
0: vehicles, you know. <laughs> it's rooting. You never know. Okay, keep going. <laughs> All right. So, also happening tonight, the new play by French playwright Florian Zeller called "The Mother" officially opens off Broadway from the Atlantic Theater Company, starring Christopher Noth and Isabel Huppert. The play is currently scheduled to run through April thirteenth. Now, next up on Tuesday, the new play by Jordan E. Cooper, "Ain't No Mo." Begins performances at the Public Theater, directed by Stevie Walker Webb. The show is, quote, a vibrant satirical odyssey portraying the great exodus of black Americans out of the country plagued with injustice. Uh, It is currently slated to run through April 28th. Then moving to Wednesday up at the Public Theater, which we talked about, or the uh, WP Theater, sorry, that we've already talked about. The new play by Rahana Lou Mirza called Hate Fork. Again, pronouncing the <laughs> asterisk how uh, I was told to. Um, that that will officially open. Of course, it's not called Hate Fork. Uh, if you listen to the first Tell Me More from this weekend, Covey Ladner explains that that's what they're, uh, that's what they're calling it, short of the actual profane title. But starring Ladner and Senthill Hill Ramamurthy, the show tells the story of a Muslim-American couple that's not as good together as they would appear on paper. Directed by Adrian Campbell Holt, the show is scheduled to run through March 31st. Also opening off-Broadway on Wednesday is Surely Goodness and Mercy from the Keene Company at Theatre Row, set in an underfunded public school in Newark, the play by Chissa Hutchinson, tells the story of a Bible-toting boy with a photographic memory who befriends the cantankerous old lunch lady, and that is currently scheduled to run through April 13th. Also on Wednesday at the Vineyard Theater, previews begin for Do You Feel Anger by Mara Nelson-Greenberg and directed by Margot Bordelon. Starring Justin Long, Greg Keller, and others, the play is set in a debt collection agency that brings in an empathy coach to help the workers feel compassion for their clients. It is currently set to run through April 20th. Now, we're going to move to Broadway on Thursday as we have our next opening night, this time from one of this season's two count them, two musical revivals. This one is Kiss Me, Kate. The Roundabout Theater Company revival of the Cole Porter Classic stars Kelly O'Hara, Will Chase, Stephanie Styles, and Corbin Blue. Scott Ellis directs and Warren Carlyle choreographs. An interesting note about this show, James, is that uh, Tony nominee Amanda Green has been brought in to provide additional material to the book. The assumption was that they would make it a little less misogynistic. Not sure that early reports say that that's actually happening, uh, but we'll see once the reviews come out later this week. The show is currently scheduled to run through june 2nd although i am sure that rtc has extension plans in the contracts already now james what's interesting is uh, we still don't know whether or not we will have a separate musical revival category or if they're going to lo- lump all revivals together the Tony the tonys have the ability to do it either way and the only past president precedent in this category was to go with a two nominee category and ironically enough one of those uh, two nominees back in 2002 was Oklahoma, which will be the other uh, musical revival this season uh, that eventually lost to Into the Woods. So I, I don't know what they're going to do if they follow that past precedent. Um, maybe we will see either Oklahoma or Kiss Me Kate taking home the Tony for Best Musical Revival. If not, they will be lumped in with all of the play musicals. Do you have any thoughts on that one, James? Uh,
1: no, I'm trying to think back. Uh,
0: that was the Hugh Jackman, Oklahoma. Uh, well, Hugh Jackman wasn't in it. He was in it in London. Then it transferred over. I believe it was Patrick Wilson who uh, played oh, Curly right. Onbrother. Yeah, yeah, but right, it was the yeah. same production. Shuler Hensley was in both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the Shuler Hensley. That's right. I saw it in London. I saw it here. Yeah. So, uh, I yeah predicting the tony awards is 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 never has never been uh good for me you <laughs> know what they're going to do uh, i it's it's hard you know two people uh, two shows in a category is it is that really uh exciting and good for the business i, I don't know I don't know. I, I hope that they uh, whatever they do, they back it
0: up with a lot of information about what the decision that they make. Sounds good to me. All right. Also, sticking with Broadway on Thursday night, Heidi Shreck's What the Constitution Means to Me begins performances at the Helen Hayes Theater, one of the most buzzed about shows of 2018. This unique play is directed by Oliver Butler and, quote, breathes new life into our Constitution and imagines how it will shape the next generation of American women. The show is currently on sale through June 9th. Now, over the first two days of the weekend, starting on Friday, we have two new Broadway shows beginning previews. The first... On Friday, the Ides of March, James, the real Thank Ides you. of March. Mm-hmm. Um, that will happen at the Hudson Theater, and that is the first preview of the Broadway revival of Lanford Wilson's play Burn This, starring Carrie Russell, Adam Driver, Brandon Uranowitz, and David Furr. This raw and sexy show is directed by Michael Mayer and will open on April 16th and is currently scheduled to run through July 14th. There's a really nice Q&A with Carrie Russell and Adam Driver, who are also co-starring in the, what is that, episode 9? of uh, the Star Wars franchise together that will be released, I think, later this year. So uh, really nice New York Times Q&A if you want to check that out. Then on Saturday, we have another first preview on Broadway as Lucas Hnath's Hillary and Clinton begins performances at the John Golden Theater starring Laurie Metcalf and John Lithgow. The play is rooted in the 2008 presidential election, but as at least in previous incarnation uh, incarnations simply uses that as a jumping off point to talk about bigger issues and non-historical facts. Uh, in fact, when the show has been done before James, the Hillary character, was played by a black woman. Obviously, that's not the case here as Laurie Metcalf is playing the part, but it's it, that kind of gives you an idea that this is not a straight history play. Reports indicate that the show has been substantially revised for Broadway and will this time be helmed by the legendary Joe Mantello. Much like Gary, uh, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, I'm— super anxious to hear reports from the first previews of these uh, two shows uh, because they're kind of, despite Hillary and Clinton having smaller productions elsewhere, um, they're both kind of unknown quantity so it'll be really interesting to see how these impact the tony races uh and and just kind of the general feeling on broadway this season hillary and clinton is scheduled to open on april 18th and is currently on sale through july 21st and finally on sunday we have some closing, closings true west uh on broadway from roundabout will close the light off broadway from mcc will close and colin quinn red state blue state at the manetta lane theater will close if you want more information on all of these shows on this week's schedule, I will have links to each of them in the show notes.
1: All right. The uh, the next segment in the legal battle surrounding To kill a Mockingbird is uh, next. Yeah, James. When we uh,
0: last left off. I, right, exactly. I watch General Hospital every day, turn it on at 2 o'clock. Uh, But this is turning into an even more compelling soap opera because now Dramatic Publishing Company, the licensing house that manages the Christopher Sergal adaptation of the Harper Lee novel To Kill a Mockingbird, is seeking permission for previously canceled productions to stage their version of the show after Scott Rudin offered them the Sorkin version and for Harper Lee's estate to pay five hundred thousand dollars in damages from canceled productions. Uh, Dramatic Publishing's president is Christopher Sergal the 3rd, the playwright's grandson, so keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, Dramatic Publishing filed a complaint seeking binding arbitration from the American Arbitration Association. In their document filings, they claimed that they sought permission from the Lee estate in July of 2018 for nine productions of the show. Uh, to to be staged after the Broadway schedule had already been announced, the estate allegedly approved eight while disallowing one in Staten Island. Then in January, a different lawyer for the estate sent the letter to Dramatic Publishing that we've talked about before, James, that cited the clause in the original contract about major cities and censuses uh, since I uh, and 25-mile radiuses and all that stuff. Uh, the estate did not respond to the New York Times for comment, uh, but Rick Miramontes from DKC and O&M, uh, who handles press for the Broadway show, said, quote, this is an action between the Dramatic, dramatic publishing." company and the estate of Harper Lee and as such we have no comment. Uh so James it's it's been really hard to have a solid opinion on this whole thing because with each new turn more quote unquote evidence is revealed but the more we know the more it looks like two organizations with familial and financial stakes in the show tried kind of bending rules and ignoring proper procedures and kind of just hoping that the, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Um, and it ended up turning into a fiasco. And oddly, despite dramatic publishing blaming Rudin's, quote, shameful big footing, I think he's actually one of the few people that emerges relatively unscathed from this thing. I think you're correct. It seems as
1: though that, uh that uh, Harper Lee estate and the dramatic publishing company, uh, ought to work out their differences and make it all right. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) what a mess it is. Of course, I'll probably, I I reserve the right to reconsider my opinion when the next New York times story brings something to light. So we'll just wait for Michael Paulson in that. It's going to turn out that Scott Rudin owns both these companies.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. All right. Why don't you get us out of here?
0: All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at
1: Matt. And my name is James Marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com. Thanks for kicking off the week with us. And this week, Matt and I are going to be coming to you a little bit later in the mornings, probably in the 830 range most of the days this week. So uh, check us out a little later and know that we are planning to come to you. We'll talk to you soon.